pray. Lord, at this time we ask that you quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, that you focus our attention on you, and that you speak to us. We ask that you clear away any distractions that uh, may interrupt that speaking, that may uh, cloud our hearing. Lord, we ask that you just remove it from us now. As we prepare to read your word, we ask your blessings on the word. We ask that you bless the reading of it and the hearing of it, and that the truth that you have spoken through your word will penetrate our hearts today. Please bless this time that we have now in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 13 through 24. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches." But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud. But fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. weeks, we've been talking about what Paul said uh, concerning sanctification and walking and living in the Spirit. We come to this passage in Romans 11 today, which is a little bit uh, confusing, or it can be, uh, all this talk of Jews and Gentiles and olive trees and branches and all this stuff. And and really what what Paul is doing is he's circling back around to uh, what he was saying at the beginning of the letter to Romans. If you remember back in chapter 2, he talked about uh, the Jews who had the law 
should not feel like salvation was exclusively offered to them just because they had the law. Because the Gentiles have the law that is written on their hearts. Remember we talked about the conscious, we, we talked about the Holy Spirit guiding us, and we, kind of, we called it Jiminy Cricket, let your conscience be your guide. And, uh, and Paul said the, the Gentiles, salvation is offered to them too. They may not have the Jewish law, but they have the law written on their hearts. And then Paul went on to talk about Abraham, and he went on to talk about uh, faith, uh, is, uh, supersedes the works of the law. We're saved by faith, not how we keep the law, but uh, by, by believing and putting our trust in Christ. And once we do that, then works will flow from that because we begin to walk in the Spirit. And, and so now Paul has, has sort of come full circle, and he's coming back around to that, and now he's addressing the Gentiles. First he was talking to the Jews, and now he's talking to the Gentiles because, remember, Rome was sort of like the big metropolis of the world at the time. It was the empire. And, uh, and, and Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome. So he's writing it to Jews and Gentiles and poor people and rich people and, and a whole uh, bunch of different types of people. And so he's, he's saying, now I'm talking to you Gentiles, for I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, even though I'm, an, I'm a Jew. But when the Jews hear what I have to say to you, they, they may can learn something. They may can hear something here. So Paul is, is coming back around to all of this, and, and he, he uses the analogy of an olive tree. Now, why an olive tree? Well, the roots of an olive tree are some of the strongest roots in the world. They're nearly indestructible. You can't burn them. It's, it's nearly impossible to break them. They won't freeze. They, the roots of an olive tree uh, are, are lasting they're, they're nearly indestructible. And so Paul uses this analogy of the olive tree, and he talks about the Jews being branches from this tree, and, and now the Gentiles being grafted in, but he talks about us all being grafted in uh, to, to and anchored in what is the root. Now there's some uh, argument going on among scholars about what Paul meant by the root. What was he talking about, the root? Some people say... Uh, with the roots, he was talking about the patriarchs. He was talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was talking about Israel and the, the, the founding fathers of that nation, so to speak. And then other people have said, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's, uh, Paul is talking about God's promises. Those are the root. Well, I think the answer is somewhere in between. I think um, the root of, of it all is God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because they, they've come and gone. They, they've been and gone. And by this point... There, uh, the nation of Israel had been established. Uh, the Messiah had come through their, their family. And the, and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was God's promise personified. And so God had made these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And these promises, which are recorded in Scripture, are what we are rooted in even today. When we are grafted in, we can claim those promises. Now, uh, to claim promises, we have to know what the promises are, right? And we would be foolish not to claim promises that are given to us. There are many, many promises written to us in Scripture, but, but we have to claim them. We have to know them, and we have to claim them. Uh, Hannah Clare never lets me forget a promise that I've made. She will tell me, um, but you promised. I, I hear this every day. And, and sometimes it's things that I didn't promise. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll tell her, okay, you can have a snack after you clean your room. 
But the child does not like to clean her room. She, she will lay down on the floor and cry for two hours when she could have cleaned her room in ten minutes. And then she'll get up and say she wants a snack. And I'll say, no, you don't get a snack. But you promised. No, I didn't. But when I do make a promise, she holds me to it. She's very good at that. And, and we, too, can, can hold God to the promises that he's made, not just to us through Scripture, but even to the promises he made to the patriarchs, to Israel. The promises he made through the law and through the prophets and, uh, and everything that's in that big section of the book called the Old Testament. We can lay claim to that. We can claim those promises because, as Paul says, we have been grafted in through our faith. Now, the reason we've been grafted in, of course, is, is because of Jesus. Like I said, Jesus came through that bloodline, through that genealogy, and then he offered salvation to all. And he said, whoever abides in me, I am the vine and you are the branches, abide in me, and you will be part of this. You will take root in, in what the Father has offered through the nation of Israel. And, and, and I said that we can lay claim to those promises that are given in, in the Old Testament through the law and the prophets. One of the prophets, Jeremiah, said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So God is saying, here in the Old Testament, through the prophet Jeremiah, the day is coming where there's going to be a new covenant, and it's going to include, it's going to be open to all people. And, and the covenant I made with Israel, is, they didn't keep it. They rebelled against it. They broke their end of the covenant. So I'm going to make a new covenant. But he says, I'm going to make this covenant with Israel, but it will include all people. And, and then he says, and there will be a new law. It will be the law written on their hearts. Does that sound familiar? That's what Paul has been talking about. He's been saying to the, the Gentile people, they don't have the Jewish law, but they do have the law that is written on their hearts. And those people who adhere to that, who walk in the Spirit, who are on this process of sanctification, who are grafted in through their faith in Jesus, uh, they are going to be a part of all of this. And, uh, and that's why uh, Paul said they have, these are the Gentile believers. They don't have the law, but they have it written on their hearts. And the, the old branches, the ones who've rebelled, the ones who've turned their back on the old covenant, they're going to be cut off. They're going to be cast off. But the new branches will bear fruit. And so we get into this, this thing. We, we hinted at it a few weeks ago with the, the fruit of the Spirit. If we're walking in sanctification, if we're being sanctified, we're going to be renewed. We're going to bear the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to resemble the nature of Christ and the character of Christ. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's one of the benefits of being grafted in. Now, being grafted in, uh, if, if you're one of those who takes notes during the sermon, you can write this part down. Uh, it, we are initiated into a 4-H program. Now, a lot of y'all are familiar with 4-H 
I think, being in a rural area, but, but this, this is a, a 4-H program. There are four H's that happen when we lay claim to these promises. First is heritage, and we just talked about that. We've been adopted into this family that includes the patriarchs and the Old Testament. But the second H is hunger. We have to be hungry for God, for the word, for his promises, in order for us to be able to bear fruit. If we are branches, branches cannot produce the, the fruit unless they are first drawing something from the vine or from the trunk or from the roots. They have to draw nutrients. We have to be hungry. We have to be ready and willing and hungry to draw out the, the character of God, the nature of God. We have to hunger for his promises and crave them in order for us to produce the fruit that, that we need to produce to be called healthy branches. The third H is humility. Now, this is why Paul says to the Gentiles, don't be puffed up. Just because some of the Jews were cut off because of their unacceptance and you were grafted in, that's no reason to lord it over them. And he says, remember, it's their rejection that allowed you to be grafted in. So don't consider yourselves better than them. Because one day they'll be grafted back in when they, they turn around and, and, uh, and they come to receive Christ as their own. So the third H is humility. We must remain humble in order to, be, to remain grafted onto Christ. And then the fourth H is hope. We can't be grafted onto fear or anger or vengeance and still be grafted onto Christ. We can't lay claim to the promises in Scripture if we are constantly grafting onto something that uh, we are afraid of or that we are angry about or something like that. We, we have to recognize the hope that is offered to us in being grafted on. If we're not, we will be cut off. And there is prophecy about the, the, the church, the apostate church in, in the last days. This, you see this in, in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, and 2 Thessalonians 2. I don't have time to read all that. But there are several prophecies throughout the New Testament which talks about the apostate church in the last days will be cut off. And, and, and they are the Gentile church. It is the Gentile church that has turned their back on Christ, who has turned their back on the promises in Scripture, has turned their back on the truth. And we already see some of this in the church. We already see people in the church and in various churches grafting on to other things that are not of God, that are not biblical, that are not uh, the promises that are, are made through Christ. And, and you see this manifest itself in two ways. And all you have to do is look at our, our political uh, world to, to see how, how it manifests itself. But it, it takes place in the political world. It takes place in the church as well. You have people who are either puffed up with pride and arrogant and they believe in progress and ideals, their ideals, and they think they, they are hungry for something that makes them feel good about where they're at. And they are, they are grafted on to pride. And then on the other hand, you have people who are grafted on to fear. And these people are angry. And these people want vengeance. And you see this, and, and, and like I said, you can see it in the political world, people who, who, I'm angry so I want a candidate who expresses my anger. Or, I'm proud and I think we're, progress is the answer and we're doing great, we're on the right track, and so I want somebody who makes me feel good about where we're at. You see that in the political world. But you see it in the church, too. 
You see pride and you see fear. And both of those things are trying to tear us away from the root. The root that we have been grafted onto. Let's don't fall for that. One way that I see both of these things play out uh, in the church is uh, um, through the, the big church, little church analogy. If you ever go to a church that is large and is growing and is booming, they've got new members and pe- joining all the time, people coming in, uh, and, and you start to talk to some of those members there, um, not always, but a lot of, uh, sometimes you can get a sense of pride there where people will say, oh, God is at work in our church. We are growing left and right. We are getting new members every week. God is at work here. As if he wasn't at work in any other church. Sure, God is at work in their church. But numbers and bringing new people in isn't always the sign of that. In fact, you can fall into the trap of thinking that that's God working in the church. And and all that does is it leads to more pride. And like I said, pride tears us away from that, that third age, that humility. And then in the small church, you you oftentimes will see fear. People say, we're not growing. We don't have new members. We're getting older, and we don't have any children. We don't have any programs. People aren't joining. We don't have visitors. What are we going to do? And that fear starts to take over. But the thing about that is, like I said, numbers don't always indicate whether or not God is working in a church. God can look at a church, and it can be a small church. And he can say, that church is just right, right now, with those people, but I want to do something more with them. I want to do something deeper. And the growth is inward. And he pulls us into deeper fellowship with them. That's that's how he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in vitality. But we miss that if we become a fearful church. We miss God speaking to us. We miss God trying to draw us into deeper fellowship, into that process of sanctification if we become fearful, and we miss it if we become prideful. And that's what Paul was warning about here. And then he goes on, of course, to say that he's not done with Israel yet. You shouldn't be proud of yourselves for being Gentile believers because you can't count Israel out. Just because we've been grafted in doesn't mean he's going to abandon what he has in mind for Israel. Like he said, for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world... What will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? And he's hinting, again, that the Israel people, at some point in time, they're going to come back to God. They're going to come back. The Messiah that they once rejected, they will come back to him. And then he closes this passage out by saying, uh, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated tree, how much more will these, meaning Israel, the natural branches, be grafted back in to their own olive tree? So we should never look at the Jewish people and think, well, they missed their chance and now we're the new Israel. Yes, we've been grafted in. We are part of new Israel. But God still has a plan for them just like he has a plan for us. But the church today must never lose its hope and it must never lose its humility. Remember that it's uh, remember who it is that we're grafted onto and that we're grafted on through our faith. Not by our works, not because we're anything special, but just because we have faith and God counts that as righteousness. 
He shows his grace and his mercy to us. God began his work of salvation through the nation of Israel, and he'll complete it through the nation of Israel. And we, the church, should consider it a privilege, an honor, and a blessing to be grafted into that rich and wonderful history. This morning we also have the privilege of let us